open your eyes and look into the darkness. Something strange is moving. Something grave and sinister. Something paranormal. Something ghostly. That sends shivers down your spine. It is chilling with cult class with your host, Caitlin. Welcome to Chillin' with Cult Class, the podcast where we talk about everything spooky, strange, and unexplained. I'm your host, Caitlin. We did it, Nick. I know! (laughs) Can you believe it? Yes. Yes, I can believe it. I knew that we were going to get it done, but unfortunately, we didn't tie for first place. We didn't tie for first place. (laughs) Should I tell them what happened? Yes, please. Go ahead. So... Okay, we ran our half marathon. Yes, we, we did. We did it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really proud. We we finished it. Yep. Our goal was less than three hours, so we so we did that. We did that great. It was a trail run, and the trail run connected to our the trail that's near our house. So it was about an hour away, but it's the same like state run trail, and so we practiced running on this trail, and it's very flat. It's very nice. The state maintains it. So we figured it would be very similar because it's the same trail, just, you know, a few miles away. So we wore the shoes that we normally wear, even though they kept telling us to wear trail shoes. We got to the race, and first of all, they were like real runners. Oh, yeah. There there was um, <laughs> not a hobbyist runner in the crowd. No, we yeah. were the hobbyist we, runners. We were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were serious runners. And we <laughs> made friends with this one girl who, like, wanted to tell us about everything. And she was like, oh, I've run 32 half marathons and 62 full marathons. Very excited and, to be there. Friends with, like, the organizers yeah, and like all just, the staff. Yeah, we were, like, clearly the newbies yep. on the block. And it's like, <laughs> it's like they could smell us, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she even came up to us and said, hey, first time? Yeah, yeah, she did. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, she was like, oh, you guys aren't from around. You yeah, guys haven't done this before. Like yeah, because yeah. she had run this race too. So Yeah, definitely not as advertised though. No, nice yeah. girl. Okay, yeah. so the race was not as advertised. This is why I'm talking about the shoes. So we, so the first two miles is we're running like on our normal trail. It's yeah. just like up the road. Mm-hmm. And then Very all similar. of a sudden, in order to get the 13 miles, I guess, they routed part of this half marathon into the woods and into a field so we were running literally through a tiny thin (laughs) muddy rock covered trail through the woods totally terrifying i've never run in anything like that for two miles and then through a field literally a field to get the 13 miles so we didn't expect it and nick and i kept looking at each other and it was about two miles of the run again in order to get the 13 miles so i rolled my ankle in the beginning right in the beginning right in the beginning so that was not good felt so bad on a rock on one of these rocks we didn't wear trail shoes like they had advised us to because we didn't listen to them period (laughs) so (laughs) but to our defense they they like slid it in there the day before they did email they did something but they did yeah we brought all the snack i mean we really like we were prepared we were tried i thought so we tried yeah 
<laughs> so we ran through, we, we pushed our way through, rolled ankle and everything, through the woods, through the fields, on the trails, and we get to the finish line, and they're like, just a few more yards, and then a guy gets on the loudspeaker, and he's like, come on, Caitlin and Nick, because, you know, we had our numbers on, on our chest, and we're like, yeah, we, we raced each other to the finish line, and we were so proud, because we saw the time, and we got, it was like two, around two hours and 30 minutes, and we were like, woo, you know, <laughs> totally pumped, because we've never run one of these things, and then all of a sudden, we got the email ping on our phone. Like of what place you yeah, live, right, like right, the right. second you go through the finish line, they right. track you. And Nick and I beat about four people. I beat yeah, you beat you beat five. I beat four. I think yeah, yeah in the like whole that. race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like seventy five runners <laughs> for the half marathon. Yeah, uh, that was deflating. And then we go to get water, and one of the volunteers looks at us. And while he's handing us the water, he's talking to the other volunteer, and he's like, it's so sad that the half-marathoners' families don't come and cheer them on through the finish line while he's handing us water. Like, where's their family and friends? And the volunteer looked at us, and she was like, well, we're here to support them. I know. It was pretty awkward. It was so awkward. Oh, man. So, and halfway through... Uh, because I've been putting off paying for my Spotify because I changed credit cards and canceled the one. So I haven't upgraded, you know, it keeps telling me to upgrade and I'm like, or not upgrade, but change my payment method. So it keeps warning me of that. And <laughs> halfway through the, because mar- I'm a procrastinator at heart. And so halfway through the marathon, all of a sudden my Spotify went, you're no longer on Spotify Premium. We have now downgraded you. It said that to you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So halfway through, I was also, I had this rolled ankle. Oh we're running gosh. on the racks. And yeah. I have, I'm stuck in this music purgatory because apparently Spotify, a premium feature, yeah. is skipping forward and skipping backwards. Jeez. You can only skip six like times oh, Yeah, wow. in an hour. Oh, my so I was like in this weird purgatory where I was listening to Kenny Chesney over and over again, like full oh songs. If I don't like it, so I'll, t- I'll skip 30 times till I find the song I want. That's Right, oh, that's exactly. Terrible. So it was, we did it, guys. Yeah, it's done. It's, <laughs> it's done. done. It's in the past. And now we're going to do it again. No, well, yeah. We have to. I mean, no, that was that was super cool to, to really like, I thought we trained really well. And I feel we like did. if it was We decided a month before to do it. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I mean, I don't think it's true we did great, but I feel like if it wasn't like if it was just all on the road we would, would have probably done better again not yeah. as advertised but that's on us i guess we're not doing as much research as we should have been yeah. uh doing but yeah definitely like a motivator to do better because like i said we thought we were doing great but we stunk we <laughs> stunk compared to everybody else. we can't have that girl show us up anymore no. like you know we can't have all these rudder people out there with all their gear on showing no. us up Mm-mm. No, no, no way, no way. Too competitive for that. Yeah, no, I can't have that happening. No, it was it was startling. It was very humbling. It was very, like, oh, because I'm pretty humbling. fit in our life, and yep, you're pretty yep. fit around people we know, and mm-hmm. then being around those people, it was like, wow, I'm, I would die if there was a war. Oh, yeah. Forget it. Between that and my glasses, my prescription, I always think about that. If zombies attacked and my glasses fell off or something, I'd yeah. be dead. Yeah, no, we gotta we gotta run faster and get better vision. Yeah, like maybe LASIK. I yeah. think about that a lot for the zombies. Anyway, yeah. so we did it. Next week, I'm planning a really fun Halloween episode for you guys. If I'm brave enough, if I'm brave enough, I'm saying that again. 
We're gonna go see the Warren's Occult Museum that's traveling through Connecticut. Like all of their artifacts, including Annabelle, which I talked about a couple of episodes ago. Again, if I'm brave enough, <laughs> that's supposed to be next Saturday. And I will document it on the Instagram at chillinwithcult.class and post videos and stuff of it. I don't know, you know, I invited my aunt to go with us and she was like, I don't know, Caitlin. <laughs> I heard your episode about Annabelle, and this I, it, this might not be a good idea. And I'm like, maybe this isn't a good idea, but we're skeptics. Oh, I shouldn't even say that, because supposedly if you say that around her, she haunts you. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ooh. So we don't... So you're not saying you're a skeptic. You're leaving me hanging. Well, you said, I don't know. Someone's got to take care of these dogs over here. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I will document it if we go see Annabelle next week. And you, I'll post it on Instagram and everything. And I have a really fun Halloween episode planned for Sunday, October 30th. Also, Netflix. There's a Netflix 28 Days Haunted Oh, that you wanted yes, to Yes, I wanted about. to tell everybody that. Because while I might go to this Warren's Occult Traveling Museum, and I'm going to do something special with the Warrens on Sunday... On Friday on Netflix, there's also going to be a release of this show. Nick's pulling it up for me. It's called 28 Days Haunted. I don't know if it's going to be good. I got an email about it, but it's all based on the Warrens investigations. And it's like real life reality TV. So I'm just letting you guys know. Netflix is releasing this Ed and Lorraine Warren themed haunted show. So you guys can be all spookied up for Halloween weekend. That'll lead us into our movie club pick of the week but first my little buddy is going to tell you about my nft drop that's happening this thursday on crypto.com backslash nft why hello there children of the night who love the scary art of cult class Did you know that just in time for the spooky Halloween season, Caitlin of Cult Class has created a special sinister collection of NFT art just for you? That's right. It drops October 27th on Crypto.com slash NFT. So don't delay and head to Crypto.com today to check it out. And visit cultclassart.com for more information. (laughs) And remember, Dark Art fans, the only thing truly scary about these NFTs is that you might miss out. (laughs) Happy Halloween from everyone at Cult Class, and thank you for your scary support. Last week's movie club pick was Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. And I had never seen The Birds. Um, I've heard of it many times. I think the only movie I've seen by Hitchcock was Psycho, which is an 
you know, as far as horror goes, an amazing movie. The Birds I was really curious about because it just seemed like such a interesting concept for a movie, and I wanted to see how it was executed, especially because it was Alfred Hitchcock, and he's supposed to be, like, an iconic horror director. I will say... I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was spectacularly done, especially for the time period. I read that it got mixed reviews when it came out, that people thought it was a little hokey. It came out after Psycho, so that was a little too fun or something and not horror enough. But I thought it was a really clever take on something ordinary. I think the best horror you could create is to make something that is every day that you're totally comfortable with become a nightmare. Absolutely. Having birds descend from the sky and attack people is a tremendous nightmare. And you and I talk about this a lot with animals. We're we're always like, wow, we are nothing. Right, all the time. Humans are so weak. (laughs) We go out in the woods and we're like, wow, like Mm -hmm. we're not surviving, we're not doing anything that these animals do and they are big strong animals like i i just started taking horseback riding lessons and i was sitting on a horse and i was like wow it's humbling oh they're You're huge like, so these powerful. animals so are amazing they can do anything so the idea that animals don't do anything to us they look they coexist with humans basically very peacefully mm-hmm. when they could do something evil Totally, with high or yeah. something ag- just aggressive sure. is really interesting. Animals don't normally attack us. So that's a really beautiful thing. But the idea that they're... And they say it in the movie, The Birds. That he's, there's a point when they start saying how many species of birds and oh, how many right. birds yes. are on the planet. It's astounding. And you're like, that's terrifying. <laughs> if, if birds descended and started attacking us... We'd be in really big trouble. Absolutely. Because it's just never something we've taken into account. Yep. I thought that was clever and really, honestly, very scary. And the acting was great. Oh, it, I mean, it, it is. It's sort of, I don't want to say it's a fun horror because no horror is really, like, fun. But it's different. It was different. She's kind of a socialite. Yeah. She goes after the guy, which we, yeah. we said was interesting. Yeah. yeah, like, he doesn't come after her. She goes to this island for the weekend and yep he yeah he goes away for the weekend he travels to her on this like guise of um you know some a gift for the sister or something yeah 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 so it's just it's just different it's it's funny you know her character's kind of funny it's supposed to be a love story and these lovebirds that are throughout the film right yes like the way it's shot is great. The colors are great. The suspense that Alfred Hitchcock oh, builds and the screenwriter suspense. builds. So cool. I think that's something special to the time, too, because, again, we didn't. now we have thousands of horror movies mm-hmm. that do that. Yes, but yes. at the time, there really weren't movies that I think built suspense like that. And I, I love that. I was wondering if it's the first movie where they're really dismissive of an issue. When I was watching it, every time... The people were like, these birds are attacking us. Somebody would be like, well, maybe it's just the way the winds are. Maybe you upset them. And I feel like that's such a common trend in horror movies. We talk about that all the time where people just dismiss things or they get a house for $30,000 and they're like, no, it's okay that everybody died here and was murdered here. Yeah, Yeah. no big deal. 
And um, I was wondering if this movie is one of the first to really set up that kind of silly, dismissive horror movie attitude where the people are just trying to get through it. (laughs) I think my favorite scenes were when the birds come down through the fireplace. That was wild. That was wild. Insane. When Melanie, the main character, is at the school and the birds start, the ravens start appearing on the the school equipment. On the playground. On the playground behind her. It's like every time they pan out, there's a few more. The scene where they zoom out over the town and everything's on fire and the birds are all like swarming the town. And another thing that I felt like built suspense was it wasn't that the birds were attacking the whole movie. There were moments when the birds decide that they're just going to hang out and the oh, characters yes. can kind of come out for a moment. Sure. And so you never know when the attack is coming. Yes, yes, yes. Which is almost more terrifying than them attacking the whole time. Yeah. But what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was awesome for, yeah, a movie that came out in 1963. I thought that was, like, incredible. It was, like, a modern, scary movie, but without, like, any of the special effects or... Yeah. um, And I know you got some facts on, like, how they handled the birds and everything like that, but uh, that was was absolutely wild. That was so cool. There was a lot of, like, jumping moments, and uh, I thought overall it was was very well done. Holds up. Um, Hold up to today. If it came out today, I mean, it'd be a little outdated with the effects. Sure, sure. But it's like a 60-year-old movie? Come on. That's that's incredible. Yep. And it was gorier than I thought it would be. Oh my gosh, me too. I I was not expecting, like, everything that they they showed. Eyeballs being plucked out and stuff. Oh, wee. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't see that coming. So, here are a few facts about the movie. The film was loosely based on the 1952 story The Birds by Daphne du Maurier. The film screenplay was written by Evan Hunter, who was known for his ability to create tension. The Birds film was partly inspired by the true events of a mass bird attack on the seaside town of Capitola in California on August 18, 1961. Capitola residents awoke to a scene that seemed straight out of a horror movie. Hordes of seabirds were dive-bombing their homes, crashing into cars, and spewing half-digested anchovies onto their lawns. Alfred Hitchcock heard of this event and used it as research material for this film. The real cause of the birds' behavior was toxic algae, but that was not known back in the 1960s. The climactic attack on Melanie took a week to shoot. The seven days it took to film this scene took such a toll on Tippihedron that she had to spend another week in the hospital due to exhaustion. The raw emotion displayed in the film had a massive effect on her. The birds were attached by nylon strings. During the week-long shoot, the trained birds were actually attached to Hedron's coat with nylon threads so they couldn't get away. Birds were also hurled at her by prop men, and one eventually gouged her cheek. Hitchcock purposely left out the words, the end, at the end of the film. Unusual for movies from this time, audiences definitely noticed that the end was missing from the final moment, giving the story a feeling of unending terror. This is exactly what Hitchcock wanted. Meat was attached to the cameras. For some scenes, meat was fastened right next to the camera lens so that the seagulls would come toward that camera in full-on attack mode. This was just another one of Hitchcock's ways of instilling very real terror in his audience. Hitchcock discovered Hedron on a TV commercial. Hedron was a model with no acting experience when she made this film with the iconic director. 
He had seen her in a TV spot and knew that she was great for the role that he had originally wished could have been filled by Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly, however, had recently retired after becoming the Princess of Monaco. Those are facts from Wikipedia and thelittlethings.com. So, pretty neat. Very cool. Wow. What an awesome, awesome movie. Highly recommend it. If anyone didn't watch it uh, last week and, you know, hear all these spoilers, I I would recommend still knowing everything you know now to still watch it. Yeah. I thought it was great. I'd watch it right now. Yeah, I would too. And it's just a it's just a staple iconic movie to to invest your time in for sure. Also, what else were we watching last weekend? We watched The Watcher. Oh, the Watcher has been popping off on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, that was that's was great. We watched that all the way through. And I'll cover the Watcher story again in the future, but I definitely that series is worth watching. The cast is awesome. Wow, all star cast. Yeah. All star cast. The acting is excellent. They take a lot of liberties with the the real life story, which is good. They make it unique. They make it unique. I would like to hear if you guys want to write me feedback. I'd love to know what you all thought. Some people did write to me and said that they were a little disappointed by the ending. I won't say anything. We can talk about it in the next episode. As always, you can send me feedback at chillinwithcultclass at gmail.com, and you can message me at chillinwithcult.class on Instagram. So this week's movie club pick is, drumroll, (laughs) (laughs) is The Conjuring. I had to pick one more horror movie before Halloween's over. Then then we'll jump into sci-fi and we'll do a bunch of other movies, but because we're going to the Annabelle occult museum thing. How fitting. If I'm brave enough. And that Warren show on Netflix is coming out. I thought, what more perfect of a movie to pick just before Halloween. So this week's movie club pick is The Conjuring. Check it out. Watch it before next Sunday. And we'll talk about it then. Follow me, if you will. To a magical town where it is always Halloween. Thanks to a witch's curse. <laughs> a town where leaves and escaped pages of the local Sentinel newspaper blow in the wind. A town where a distant radio can be heard playing 96.6 WOLF on its sinister speakers. A town where TV sets are tuned to cable access channel 20 W-A-R-Y to watch the Monster Channel. And a town where the mayor has been serving his creepy citizens for 355 years now. This is sundown, so please come visit us and stay forever.
all the time. It's time for the listener's story. This week's listener story is actually my own story, and I know I've done stories before, but you guys have written to me in a lot of comments and DMs saying how you know kids and pets and animals who behave really strangely, and you've messaged me not enough to, not in full stories, not enough for a full listener story segment, but several of you have just sent me comments in short little DMs about how kids and pets that you know are sensitive to maybe terrifying things and how pets will just stare at empty spaces or kids that you know say really creepy things about like ghosts or things that end up being true about a house or energies stuff like that so i thought since i've gotten a lot of messages like that i'll tell you guys a little story of my own to round out our halloween season when i was about five or six years old My family lived in New England, and we lived pretty close to my grandma and grandpa. And we would see them a lot because my mom has a very big Italian family, and that's just what you do. So we'd see them very frequently. We'd go visit them. And they lived in a small little New England town, very nice, quaint street. And there was a house at the end of the street that was a small ranch house. Very normal, probably built in like the 60s or 70s. A really nice family lived in the house, and my cousins were friends with their kids and stuff like that. We would drive by this house, driving to my grandparents all the time. When I was about five years old, I would tell my mom as we drove by the house that there was a ghost in the house. I don't know why I had this thought or this feeling. I think I had told her that I had a dream about it, but I would constantly say every time I went by, Mom, there's a ghost in that house. And it was just kind of a weird thing. And she never said anything. I think at the time she was like, you know, when kids just say weird things, like you guys have DM'd me. Like, it's just like, okay, that was kind of weird to say. But, you know, she wasn't going to turn around and tell me anything or entertain some paranormal, scary stuff that was already freaking me out, you know? So we would go and hang out at this house also because my cousins were friends with them. They had a cool in-ground pool and it was really fun. And the family that lived there was nice. But the house just always gave me a really strange vibe as a kid. I still remember that. A few years ago, I was talking with my mom and I was thinking about that because I always had a feeling about that house. And I said to her, Mom, do you remember when I used to tell you that there was a ghost in that house? And she was like, absolutely, Caitlin. Of course I remember that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you do. I thought, you know, as a kid, I thought I was like, maybe I made that up. I don't know. And she was like, yeah, of course you did. I remember it. Your dad remembers it. And she ended up telling me the truth of that house that she never told me as a kid, of course. But what I came to find out as an adult was that the family that lived in that house before the family that we knew had a daughter. And the daughter was in a tragic, unexpected accident. And she ended up passing away. The family ended up ultimately moving out of that house, and the family that we knew moved into that house. Well, after they moved into the house, they started experiencing very strange occurrences. They would feel somebody 
pulling on their clothes, turning off lights, opening doors, things like that. So much so that after a while they ended up calling a priest to come and bless the house. And this just happened to be the house that I was always telling my mom there was a ghost in. Now, I don't know. I'm no medium. And I've said this before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. I'm a huge skeptic of this stuff. And I don't see ghosts. I don't think about this stuff now. It was something I used to tell my mom as a kid. You guys have messaged me about kids being more intuitive. And maybe there's something to that. I don't know. I'm definitely a skeptic, but... There's things that I think we can't explain, and we love talking about the unexplained on this podcast. That's one of my first experiences with the unexplained. This week's scary story. This week's story is the abduction of Travis Walton. The sources of these facts are from Wikipedia, Dead Central, and the Discoveries Plus shock doc, Alien Abduction, Travis Walton. According to Travis Walton and a number of other members of his logging crew, on November 5th, 1975, he was working with a timber stand improvement crew in the National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. While riding in a truck at the end of the day with six of his co-workers, they allegedly encountered a saucer-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away, making a high-pitched buzzing sound. Walton claims that after he left the truck and approached the object, a beam of light suddenly appeared from the craft and knocked him unconscious. His co-worker said that the beam of light threw Walton about 50 feet backwards. And it started to, to make a noise and started to move. And I took one step. I, I crouched down behind the log that was there. And just as I started to raise up, I, w- I was just going to stand up. I didn't have any intention of going any closer, but it was just as if I was struck. I, it was kind of a, a physical blow to, it just knocked me back. I don't remember seeing any flash of light or anything like what they described. I just, I just lost consciousness. Uh, when I regained consciousness, I was, I was looking up at a light shining down on me from the ceiling. I could tell I was leaning up on a, on a bed or a table or something because the ceiling was close. The six other men were so frightened they drove away. Once they had gotten about a quarter of a mile away, they said that they saw the alien craft zip into the sky. They returned to look for Travis, but according to them, he was gone. They called the police. The police investigated and treated the case as a homicide. The men took polygraphs and search parties were sent into the forest. In the Discovery Plus documentary, one witness claims that investigators brought a Geiger counter to the site and that it read extremely high radioactivity. Travis's co-workers returned to the town and spoke with authorities who were skeptical. They believe that the six other workers had murdered Walton due to a disagreement earlier that day. 
With no evidence supporting their claims, all they could do was work the investigation. Walton was missing for five days. Meanwhile, while he was missing, Walton claims that he awoke in what he thought was a hospital. He looked up to the doctors working on him and realized they were short, bald, humanoid aliens. He says he fought with them for a time before they placed a plastic wrap over his face and things went dark again. Other times when Travis tells this part of the story, he runs away from the aliens and gets into a control room, where he claims that he was approached by a human wearing blue coveralls and a helmet. He explains that this strange person led him through the ship, showing off the hangars and other amenities, before bringing him back to the examination room, where he was knocked unconscious by one of the earlier aliens. Walton has claimed he remembers nothing else until he awoke in the forest where he was abducted. His clothes were on backwards. He states that he remembers seeing the craft close its doors and then float into the distance. He wandered to a payphone booth in Heber, Arizona, roughly 30 miles southwest of where he was taken and called his brother-in-law to pick him up. And that was last I remembered. I, I went to sleep until I woke up. I was laying on the pavement. It was very cold. I woke up very suddenly and I was, I looked up, up the roadway. I was laying outside. It, it was night and I could see a light on the bottom of a, of a flying saucer that looked just like a, the rounded ones that were inside there and uh, it, it was very shiny but it, the only light came out of the bottom but then that went off and it just went straight up really fast just without a sound and what were your feelings at that point were you still in pain did you know where you were I didn't know where I was immediately but I recognized the roadway, and I could see a light down the hills while I ran down that way. Not everyone believed Travis. His most vocal detractor was ufologist Philip Klass. He noted that the sheriff that was familiar with the case stated that Walton, along with his mother and brother-in-law, were huge fans of alien media. He posited that just two weeks earlier, Walton had watched the UFO incident, a fictionalized portrayal of the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. Details in Walton's story allegedly closely match what was shown in the film. To this day, Walton maintains that he was abducted. He thinks it wasn't on purpose, though. He believes that he wandered too close to the aliens studying the environment and got accidentally knocked out by their tools. He thinks he might have been airlifted onto the ship to make sure he was okay. And that is the abduction of Travis Walton. Wow. Yeah. What, what a uh, tale is what I'm going to say. <laughs> I so, don't believe him for a minute. <laughs> you don't believe it at all? I don't. This yeah. guy has had so much incentive. Since then, he's wrote a book. There's been a movie made about him. He's been on all these public appearances. He's been yeah. on game shows. A lot of like financial motivation yeah. thereafter. Yeah, and I, I like looked into it too, and he's taken like a bunch of polygraph tests that he's failed. I know they're he not, has failed a yeah, few. Yeah, they're not like reliable, you know. They're not like used in court, but uh, it's just something to note, you know. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. And I don't know if you went up in a spacecraft and saw these little green men and got in a fight with them in the sky. I don't think you'd be able to tell that tale, you know? Like, people who go through super traumatic stuff, that's... I don't yeah. I don't know, but that's just me. I don't know. But yeah, that's... No, I, it's interesting you say that, because as, as I researched this, because I've been really into this case for a long time, I was kind of like, huh, a little skeptical as I was reading. And all the things that I've researched now for this podcast, now that I've delved into them deeper, I'm, like, skeptical of everything even mm-hmm. more than I was. Yeah. This is one of those things. Yeah, and I've, and I've heard him on, you know, a couple interviews and, and things like that. And when he's, like, asked a, a super direct question, he he kind of, like, says it and, like, he kind of, like, skates around it and then just, like, talks over the interview. And, like, this is, like, two or three different places I've seen him do that. Yeah. So, interesting. It's just interesting. So, I don't know if it's just, just like... interesting. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just... That's... I don't know. That's my piece. I said it. That's where I'm at. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's... I... It's a... It's a valid opinion because but i'm also like the cynic i don't know i you know i don't yeah. know i don't know in our relationship you're definitely more cynical than yeah, i yeah for sure i think for sure but we're both cynics that's, that's how why we make such a great couple <laughs> <laughs> we don't trust anyone but there is a movie about this abduction yep it's called fire in the sky yep. And that came out in the early... 1993. Yeah, early 1900s. Oh, my God. They didn't have movies then. When did it come out? 1993. 1993. Yep. 30 years after the birds, which has nothing to do with anything. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. That has nothing to do with anything. But it's a fact. 30 years after the birds. 30 years to the year? I don't know. I don't know. Travis Walton was 22. A lot of numbers are being thrown out there. There are a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. Hey, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a mathematician. (laughs) Yeah. So there is a movie that... I I don't even know if he sold the rights or wrote the screenplay or whatever, if he was, like, involved in it. There are a lot of... Now he tells a story. There's a lot of different details that were not in the original stories. The interesting part of this abduction and why I shared it is because there are the six friends in the logging crew. And um, it seems to be that they're from a small town. If you watch this documentary on Discovery Plus, so this is on Discovery Plus. It's called Alien Abduction, Travis Walton. And if you watch it, all the witnesses still hold true to this story. I mean, like, stick with this story. It's now... Oh, man, I'm really not a mathematician. How many years ago? <laughs> 75, so it's 25. It was it's almost 50 years ago. Almost 50 years. Yeah. And every person that they interview in this documentary still swears that this happened. Yeah, they're all telling the same story. All the same story. The only person who actually deviates from this story very much is Travis, Travis Walton. Right, right. And so he disappears for five days, and they send search parties out. Right. That's the other interesting thing, mm-hmm. and they don't find him. So weird. Yeah. So if it was planned, does he go somewhere? Did he bring food or something, and did they all plan it? I don't know. To say that this happened? Was, and I read also in another, uh, I can't remember where, but whenever he was found, we called the step, or the brother-in-law it was, right? Yes, the brother-in-law he The calls. brother-in-law made it a point to keep his clothes, his original clothes that he was like, he oh. was found in, in like a clean, dry, sterile bag. Okay. And said something to the effect of like, these will be important. So it's like, what? 
you know, it's like... Did they, like, all plan that? I'm yeah. not too sure. I can't remember what they're at. But it's, like, it's either you stick to the same store because the truth or you're hiding something, right? Yeah. It's, like, you're sticking to the store because it's so easy to remember or you have to remember it, right? Yeah. The skeptic, because that's a big part of Betty and Barney Hill's abduction story is their clothing. Right. And so the skeptic that I just read about who said, well, he was a big fan of Betty and Barney Hill, that kind of plays into that theory because the the clothing from Betty and Barney Hill is like it's on display to this day in New yes, Hampshire. Right. I could see it going to you know both ways. Um, the amount of witnesses and the fact that they still stick with their story and the fact that they got the police involved yeah. is really credible seeming. Sure. But the lack of physical evidence Mm-hmm. Gives me pause. Yeah, definitely. Someone like Bob Lazar has a ton of evidence and has never has you know donated any kind of money yeah. given to him or anything. So I don't know. It's just like he's he has motive, you know. Yeah. That's just me. I though. don't know. That, it, what do you think? I think his whereabouts. That's what I would like to know. For five days, where did he go if nobody could find him? That irritates me. Like, where was he? Why did we... Did they investigate that? I didn't see anything about that. They didn't seem to, like, investigate, like... You know, it as a crime. Like, him... They investigated it as an abduction and as a homicide. But did they investigate it as something where he... Like, where did this guy go? Did he where take did he off go? through the woods and uh-huh. go set up camp somewhere for five days? In, in 1975, technology was a lot different. It's not like they were flying over with like, yeah, heat-seeking radars in their true. helicopters. They may have had, like, you know, Sheriff Brown and his and his hound dog. That's true. You it, know? They do say in the documentary that it's a, it's a small-town police department. So, I think... The police did the best they could. I think it's a good story. It's a great story. It's it's fun to think about. And there are definitely some interesting things and it's worth talking about because there are so many witnesses again. And they've stayed true to their story. And again, you can watch this documentary on Discovery+. Plus. I personally am not sure about this one. I'm less of a skeptic than I think you are. Definitely. But it's fun to talk about. And it's funny because I was talking to our friend um, James from uh, Sundown Horror. That you guys heard the ad for, our Halloween radio station. And he was saying to me that he said, oh, ghosts and things like that don't scare him. And I was like, what? And he was like, but aliens and alien abductions really terrify him. And they don't terrify me as much, but when he said that, I thought this would be a really fun thing to share before Halloween as well, because Definitely. the idea of just being sucked out of your house or your yard or whatever into the sky. After after work and off after of a truck. Work, <laughs> after work, with cutting, your friends. Cutting logs all day. That's the other thing about this story is Travis Walton, everybody else stayed in the truck and he d- supposedly jumped out and ran towards the craft, Right. which is a little, and supposedly everybody else was like, stop, come back, come back. And then he gets zapped by the beam, gets thrown 50 feet. Yeah. They drive off because they're so scared. That's the other thing is, I just want physical evidence. That's the kind of person I am. So, like, does he have scars? Is he have, you know, like, if the clothes were kept, are there tons of tears in them? Is there a big hole in the chest where he got beam zapped? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I know. So, something to think about. 
It's an it's a really interesting story. He, Andy was on Joe Rogan. You guys can listen to that as well. And you can always write me at chillingwithcultclass at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of this story. You can direct message me at chillingwithcult.class on Instagram. Make sure you follow chillingwithcult.class on Instagram. I will be documenting our Ed and Lorraine Warren adventures next weekend on the Instagram. So definitely stay tuned for that. Also, we have some really cool new merch. The alien audio visual that I have as the cover that I made um, as cult class art. You can always follow me on me and my art at cult.class. That art that I made that is now the cover of this podcast. I am selling as sweatshirts and t-shirts and it's really cool merch. So you can check that out at cultclassart.com. Thank you all for chilling with us this week. We'll be back next Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard to talk about more spooky, weird stuff.